You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler, joined as I always am by Andrew Hedinger. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. You can find Andrew on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. You can find the pod itself on social media at Rust Belt Running. Today, episode number 101. And I mentioned that, Andrew, because you and I last week uh, talked about how momentous number 100 felt. I, when I was putting together the outline on Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, you, when you were starting to engineer the episode and do some of the preview stuff for it. And then you texted me and said, I wonder how we're going to feel next week. And so I was thinking about that today and I know how I feel. I wanted to know kind of how you feel as we jump into this next century of episodes. I don't know. It feels pretty normal, but yeah, last week was strange. Like there was like a weird melancholy with, uh, with doing 100. I don't think melancholy, like Christmas feels, if that makes sense. Like, it was like, this is really cool, but like, it kind of sucks that it's over. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, that's actually a really good way to put it. Like there's all that buildup to it. You're like, holy shit, 100. Like you and I felt it at the end of episode 99. We kind of got nostalgic at the end of episode 99. And I felt the same way. Like, and I really did feel like I sat down and I, you know, you and I, we don't always put together outlines. Sometimes you and I just kind of wing it because we're good at that. And there, there's times like today where there's good. very specific things we want to talk about. <laughs> um, but like with Thomas coming on, we wanted to have a specific outline. We wanted it to look familiar to what he used to put together. And so I sat down on my computer and I typed out episode 100 and I just sort of went, holy shit, man, that's awesome. Um, you know what I, think, I did find? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know what's crazy about doing 100 episodes the way we record? Is it's not like we record multiple episodes a week or anything. Like, no. we, we do it once a week. Uh, sometimes we yeah. even skip a week. So, I mean, we've it took us two and a half years to get to this point, but we have done it so consistently. Um, yeah, like, we'll skip a week here and there because, like, we'll go on a vacation or, right. like, my birthday week. I just wanted to have a week off. But, yeah, you and I... You know, it's probably the consistency we've built up as runners is that we just, we punch the clock every week. We make sure that we get an episode recorded. You know, if one of us can't be around, we do an uninterrupted or we have somebody on that we interview solo. Like we, we make sure it's done. We definitely missed um, fewer um, weeks recording together during the pandemic. <laughs> that, that is for sure. We did. Yeah. We had a lot of time on our hands and we made sure that we made that, that time count for it us. It was the highlight actually, of, like, of our weeks. It really was. There was not much else going on. Um, but, you know, something I did think about that does have me excited as we work on this next 100 is, you know, 
I don't know how long it exactly took us to figure out exactly what we were going to be and what we were going to talk about. And obviously last year shook things up significantly because the thing we like to talk about wasn't really around too much. But I do think something that we discovered a lot of last year that is exciting to me is that I feel like we kind of found an authentic voice in terms of what we like to talk about, in terms of what's important. And we unabashedly talk about those things. We're not embarrassed. And if you stuck with us up to this point, you've decided you like what you've heard and you put up with whatever Andrew and I happen to talk about. And I think about that and I piggyback that off of something Thomas was saying about his own show that he has, you know, one of the five or six that he's done after he left us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And because he listens to every episode, he'll get that reference. Um, But something I was thinking about was like with his own show, he's interviewed some, what would be pretty big gets in his own sphere. And he was saying to us, like, they just do a shotgun approach where they just basically say, we email everybody that we think we might want to talk to. And we get a lot of no responses, but every once in a while, somebody really big goes, yeah, I'll come on. And I think I'd been in my head a little bit prior to him saying that about we're a really small show. And so there's times I've kind of felt like, "Ah, are we too small really to attract this person that I really want to talk to? And you and I both got off that episode. We were like, you know, we're just going to kind of start emailing some people we really want to talk to. And odds are 95% of them aren't going to care, but we're going to get that one guest that would seem impossible for us to get. And I think that combined with us finding that authentic voice on top of running, coming back really full on this year has me excited about the possibilities of the next 100 episodes. Cause I think we've kind of found a nice little sweet spot to do some really, what I think to us are going to be fun things. It might not take us anywhere, but we're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Well, and that's just where we've gotten, you know, again, we hit it last week with Thomas where well, I think we we've just talked about a lot over the last, um, last few episodes we did our one where just you and I kind of looked back at doing this and you know we we tried to make money selling CBD Thomas called us a called us drug dealers (laughs) drug dealers (laughs) but uh you know which I mean I still you know the product I still appreciate and enjoy and see the value in it's not like we 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 were peddling something we didn't um no believe in it wasn't maybe fully authentic but um you know, we, uh, we just kind of like, it felt forced, it you know, go anywhere. Yeah. It, it felt it, forced and it just didn't go anywhere. And right. There was no positive that really came of it from us, except that it made me realize like, I'm, I'm cool. Like with what we're doing yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, if we, you know, if we run into a way to make this bigger and better down the road, um, you know, and, and maybe make some money, you know, when I say make money, I'm like, maybe I could pay for like Christmas or something one year, you know, I don't, <laughs> right. we're never going to do this. Why am I running shoes? Right. Maybe running shoes for, and race entries, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let my running podcast addiction pay for my running addiction, you know, like, yes. sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that would work out for me. I'd be happy. Um, yeah. But I'm also happy if this is all it is. It's right. Just, you know, once a week talking to you and I've, I've also enjoyed how, since we lost so many running topics, we focused so much on getting people in to talk to. Because we didn't do that a ton no. our first um, year and a half that we were around. We started doing that yeah. a lot more in the last year. And uh, that I've really enjoyed. And uh, I feel we've even gotten better at having um, guests come on and having conversations with them. Uh, and today was no exception. Um, 
I don't think you hit on it yet. We brought uh, coach Rachel Lehman on from yep. run well, be well. You can find her on Instagram at run well, be well. Um, she was a lot of fun to have on coach to the stars of the podcast. Yep. Some of our favorite guests. Yes. Coached by her. Yeah. Um, and she's with the Akron running project as well. And that piggybacks really nicely with having uh, Varel and Nicole on not too long ago. And she talks a little bit about her involvement with that. And it's a, it's just a really good interview. Like a lot of really good perspective from a coach on why coaching is important. Well, and we talked about Boston too, and Boston was supposed to be yeah. yesterday, but y- you got to do something today. Um, I did. Yeah. I, I tell you what, this was really surreal. Because I just celebrated, not celebrated, but it hit me the other day that I've been at my current job for two and a half years. And the qualifying time that I submitted to register for this October's Boston Marathon was run right in the middle of training for that job. Like I got hired. I did my orientation, I think, on Wednesday of Marathon Week. And uh, like they were setting my training schedule like, so like, what can you do? I'm like, well. I can do Thursday, Friday, and then I need Saturday and Sunday off because uh, I'm running the Columbus Marathon on Sunday. And they're like, oh, so you can work Monday? I'm like, no, no, I'm going to need that day off too. Like, I'm going to be hobbling all week at work. I'm not going to be able to leave my bed on Monday, so you will not see me then. Um, And it was just so surreal to me. Like, when I registered, like, it actually still had all of the information in there from when I applied for the race two years ago because they're allowing those times. Now, I, there's zero hope of me getting in. I'm, that's not me being, it's not me being uh, humble. It is a smaller race field. There is a bigger pot of races to draw entries from because they're taking races that go all the way back to, I think, September of 2018. So you're going to have those fall races. You're going to have races from all of 2019, plus the very few that got run early last year. Um, I'm not getting in. It's fine. But it's like, if you have a Boston qualifying time, it's an honor to have that. You don't not sign up. So, um, yeah, I got to do that. It was cool. It was quick. It was easy. I am anticipating my rejection email in May, but I also feel really good about where I'm at as a runner right now. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be the last rejection letter I get from them. Uh, so you said you, uh, it, wait, it was your what? Two, did you say two year anniversary? I'm sorry. Two and a half. Two and a half. It's been 30 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, you celebrated something else over the weekend. You celebrated your second call off at work. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I've called off twice, twice from work in the entire two and a half years that I've been there. And both were related to getting vaccinated. Um, two years ago, there was some sort of hepatitis, I think a outbreaks going on through restaurants. I think it's hepatitis A that can get transmitted through food. So they had us get vaccinated two years ago and that vaccine knocked me flat on my ass. COVID shot number two did the same exact thing. So I got the shot on Friday, Friday night. I was at work. I'm like, man, I'm a little tired, but you know, I ran hard this morning. Maybe it's that. And I woke up Saturday and I'm laying in bed and I could feel every muscle in my body just sore. I felt like I'd run a marathon, which is not at all how I feel in the middle of training. Um, I was running a little bit of fever. Um, I basically slept for 24 hours. Um, and then I was fine. I was fine the next day, maybe a little bit tired um, just from sleeping much. So, you know what? I am incredibly grateful that I have my second shot, that I'm on my way to immunity. Hopefully by like, I think it's next Friday, I'm basically fully immune or as immune as the Moderna vaccine can get me. If you're a runner, I know you have your second shot coming up. You got Pfizer, right? I do. 
Okay, so Pfizer, the word is that Pfizer has a little bit less of a punch on the second shot. Um, if anybody out there is anticipating their second shot, especially if it's Moderna, um, just kind of know that as, if you're running right now and you're training for anything, uh, if you're trying to be consistent, maybe block some some sort of rest time around getting that second shot. I'd already plan. I planned to be off Saturday because I thought I might have a reaction. Um, and I'd already thought like, okay, if I have a reaction Saturday, I'm not going to run my 10 miler on Sunday. And I was good. I didn't do that. I ran easy yesterday. I can tell you that even though I felt overall pretty good, like I didn't feel tired or sore or ache anymore. I could feel in my run that I still wasn't back to 100%. It was an easy run, but it was a pretty slow, easy run compared to what I've been doing, especially having a couple of days off. Uh, but it's Tuesday now and I was back to my hard training and I ran well there too. So nothing major guys, like one day of discomfort beats the hell out of whatever the hell COVID could possibly give me. So, you know what I will take, um, I, I will, I would actually welcome a day. I, I shouldn't say is I just got off three weeks of, um, short-term disability because of surgery, but I would not complain at all Sunday to have some chills, take a nap, just be tired and just sleep all I watched, day. I watched The Office. I, I, I told my parents I had a tour of my apartments. I went from my bed to my reading chair to my couch. <laughs> and basically, I popped in season The Office and I knocked that out in a day. And uh, it was not a bad way to spend a day. Uh, you know, I when I was out on a disability, I watched... Uh, started re-watching Parks and Rec and I stand by my statement that Ron Swanson is better than Michael Scott. But oh, 100%. The, but the Office is the better show between the two. I I, I stand I stand by both those points. I will die on this hill. That's fine. Okay. My my point about the Office and Parks and Rec that I always give is the, that I think the fall off after Michael left. Well, I, what I say yes what I say is that I think the, the highs of the office are better than the highs of parks and rec. I think the overall body of work beginning to end on parks and rec is consistently better than the office. And that includes a very shaky first season of parks and rec where they didn't know what Leslie was going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm happy in this debate to be like, eh, I'll just have to go back and watch both and compare notes because they're both really good shows and they are. incredibly like they're, I mean, I will just simply have them on as background and just be thrilled. Like I love when I call my sister and I FaceTime her to see my nephews and I'll like be listening. And it's like, yep, nope. She's got parks and rec up in the background and I can tell you what episode it was. And we have good taste there. Um, I, I gave her my Peacock account information. Cause I have uh, the Peacock streaming service largely so I can watch soccer, um, <laughs> which you and I get to talk about today, which makes me super pumped. Um, but I also have it because I wanted to watch Parks and Rec and they'd initially had all of the seven season of Parks and Rec for free. And then they put everything, but I think one and two behind a paywall. So I gave my sister my information and she bought me a Cones of Dunsire shirt as a oh, compensation. So I'm really excited about that. Getting, giving, giving Peacock away on the black market for a shirt. I, so I notice different lines um, in shows each time I watch them. I mean, you watch a series through Okay, I've watched MASH through at least 100 times. So that one doesn't count. You can't sneak a single line past me. But um, The Office and Parks and Rec, you can, some lines will sneak past me and I hear them one time and they just 
kill me. The one that I got this time going through was, was Ron Swanson. I have the toes that I have. Let's just leave it at that. I don't. Oh yes. I can't even fully remember the context, but it was something about I don't either. I remember toes. the line. And, and yeah. Leslie asks him, like, you only have nine toes, and he's like, I have the toes that I have. <laughs> it's just, it's so stupid. All right, that's not what we came here to talk about. Uh, we did talk a little bit about Boston with you just now, and we uh, we talked yeah. Boston uh, with Rachel because she's run Boston. We she did, actually yeah. ran, ran Boston the year that uh, Desi Linden. Uh, which is so appropriate because Des is running Boston again, which I'm so happy about. You know, Thomas had that great question last week about who we would like to see in like this outgoing generation of runners stick around. And you said Des. And I and would like to re- revise my answer slightly. The reason I think I said Des is, and I thought about this when I re-listened to it. She feels like she's one of my best friends. And I don't feel that relationship with a lot of people that I don't actually know. She just feels like a friend because of how she is. I guess when I was explaining that last week, maybe I did a good job, but I feel like that's the best analogy. Deslin just feels like a friend. You know what? I like that. And I think the reason that comes across, and I think this comes across, I didn't talk about some of the runners for um, Poka Nazalit, but like, Scott Fowle is one of the ones that I think about. Des and what Hokanaz Elite do so well is they talk about all of the moments of training. And you and I have discussed this before about why you think we work as a podcast. We don't present the good stuff. We're just the good stuff. We present a lot of the shitty stuff. We present the, I don't know how I'm going to run without races. I don't know how I'm going to run with COVID going on. We present the stuff where things aren't going well for us. And Des does that beautifully. She's this professional runner who doesn't sugarcoat what she's doing. She shows everything. She's authentic. And I think that's something that I know Ben Rosario, the coach of Hokanaz Elite, tells his athletes, like, it's part of their contract to talk about their training, to blog about it, to do videos about it, to post on social media about it. And he tells them, like, guys, the thing that's going to make you relatable to average runners that's going to get you publicity is to talk about the bad stuff. Yeah. And so I like that answer because yeah, like Des is authentic. She feels that way because she's authentic because she has been to the Olympics and won the Boston marathon and also talks about how sometimes it's just so hard to get up and train about how she would rather be in bed. You know, I think it was, I think was one of the ones that tweeted last year, like when COVID hit, like, so do I keep training? Or do I drink tonight? Like that is you and that- me, that would be you and me. That was her thought that when yeah. like she was out drinking with, I think her running coach and she asked him that yeah. as, as like the NBA canceled their season and stuff. Cause she was getting yeah. up for Boston. And that was her response. Like, yeah, that is kind of you and me. And I, the answer to that has been drink a lot more over the last year. Um, yes. yes. I do have to point out, we, we were a very clean episode uh, until just a few moments ago. I forgot already. <laughs> I'm holding up a sign <laughs> because I, 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 we tried to keep this clean. I do have to say Rachel made it very clear with us. Cause I asked her if she would like us to, uh, 
I t- she knows we have mouths of a sailor and I asked her if she would like us to keep this episode clean or and she left it up to us she said she was going to try to keep it clean because of business and she did reasons and and, and her and her mom might listen that was the other thing uh, but she was very clear that she cusses a lot so I'm just going to throw that yes. out there and leave it there now um, in the ether that R- Rachel Lehman cusses a lot so if you interact with her and you feel the urge to it's cool. She'll probably cuss back. I don't know. I didn't witness it firsthand, but we kept it clean until Adam this just makes me... said it. You know, here's the thing, though. I, I'm going to look at this in the way that, like, movies are rated PG-13 versus R, and I think you can still get a PG-13 rating and have a certain number of swear words in the movie before you get bumped up, so... Yeah, I won't put including the one tag on. well-placed... No. Okay. Off. Yeah. So we're good. We're good. It really wasn't too bad. One slip, and I think we're fine. It, it's um, funny that it is always you. <laughs> it is funny that it is always you, and we try when to I'm keep not... it clean. Up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else happened this weekend in the world of running that just basically got like swept under the rug because it's so like standard now? <laughs> Eliud Kipchoge just ho hummed his way to another win. Like he had the one bad race last year in London. And that's behind him. He just goes out and runs a 204 and wins a race. And is like, nope, on to Tokyo now. <laughs> yeah, that dude. Well, and uh, I think people wondered after London if maybe that was kind of it yes. for him. Yes. And uh, this was a resounding nope. no. It is no. not. Um, God, yeah. you and I have been so lucky to watch just not just great athletes and just across the sports world, but athletes that have consistency and longevity in their, in their craft, you know, uh, Michael Phelps, LeBron James and Elliot Kipchoge, like just athletes that just, they show up and when they show up, they don't disappoint. Right. And they do it over years and years and years. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I hate talking about Tom Brady. You have a victory lap to take, by the way. I do. I do. I, uh, I've been wearing um, a, a Koros Apex, which is a GPS watch for those who don't know, for the last nearly two years. I, uh, I was turned on. I'm glad them. you specified because that's not what you wrote in the outline, and I wondered where this was going. Oh, oh, uh, well, it, uh, apparently uh, autocorrect uh, popped in. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, I, I edited that on my phone, but, uh, yeah. So I, I would like to say I was ahead of this before, um, one Des Linden joined the, uh, Koros team. Um, he did. And I think I victory lapped when she did that on our podcast. And I did not realize until, um, Elliot ran this ridiculous race and the Koros team shared it and tagged him in it and his beautiful um, pace too. See, I wish I could sell products I actually get paid to sell as good as ones I don't, I buy hundreds of dollars in product. But uh, I, I've always loved the Koros watch and it was kind of fun for me to see that uh, Kipchoge is wearing those now. Yeah better than garmin i don't have an issue with my garmin um 
Yeah, this is one of those things I'm agnostic about. I think if I had known about Koros before I got a new Garmin, I might have gone with them. And it's just one of those things I got a new Garmin. My brother got it for me for Christmas a few years ago. And it's like, it does the trick. But yeah. I know you're very happy with your watch. I am. I just like how, uh, whatever. I'm not selling their product. So I'm not going to keep selling it. I don't get paid. You know what you are shit. selling now? You know what you're selling now, buddy? Soccer. You're selling <sighs> soccer. You are, you've crossed Dude. over, man. I'm so excited. Dude. <laughs> it's, it's U10 soccer. Don't get too pumped. It doesn't matter. Your son wanted to watch the Manchester United game, which breaks my heart. He didn't. There's, he didn't. That, good. It. You don't want to be disappointed by them anyway. There's better teams to support. But oh my God, when you texted me that the other day, like <laughs> we're going to talk about soccer on the show, I was so happy. So Hayes had his uh, first soccer game of his life on Saturday. And I really didn't know what to expect. I expected to just sit there and be bored out of my skull. And I tell you what, when, when the bl- Hayes is on the black team, <laughs> when the black team was down uh, three to nothing, I was pretty disinterested in the game. And I was like, this is going to be a long season of watching a lot of kids who don't know what they're doing. That was until this. Oh, dang it. I wish this wasn't going to be a clean episode. Oh, it was so close. <laughs> that was until this kid um, put one in the back of the net. Took me a couple years to pull Dude, that off. So that's awesome. I went bananas. I told you I was, I, and I tweeted it too. I felt like Denzel Washington in training day. Put cases on all you bitches. Like that's what I wanted to do to all the parents. Like, no. Oh, stop it. That's not as bad We're, as what you said. It's, uh, what? Mine's uh, a quote from a movie. Oh, come on. It's a good movie, though. I'll allow it, it. it is, and uh, and that's. But it's so funny that like that was almost my instinct was to start like rubbing it. And the the parents of the kids who are teammates with my kid, like I uh, wanted to rub it into them somehow. I didn't, I didn't. But I was just I was that pumped that my eight year old scored in a U ten game. Um, uh, and uh, former the former youth soccer coach in me is cringing at that reaction, but I understand it. Uh, yeah, uh, it was the first goal. Like I was pumped. No, I, I get it. It's I huge, didn't actually man. like. I mean, I was totally respectful. I was, I was just jacked. I was pretty pissed at that kid Liam though, who couldn't freaking tie the game up. Had two shots at the net and just couldn't even. He beat the keeper too. If he would have just put in one of those, he would have tied the game. All right, that's enough of me talking about soccer. He did not watch um, the Man U game. Good. You don't want to be disappointed he, by them. He did want, he does want to start watching soccer though, which okay. you know, I think is cool because I want, you know, when I grew up, I knew baseball like the back of my hand. I didn't need to really be taught that sport. Maybe the um, kind of the tools of the trade, so to speak, but I understood the game and what I was supposed to be doing at a given time based on my position on the field. And uh you know, I, in, in the States, we don't really have that with soccer where, you know, you kind of grow up on that sport watching it. Um, and yeah, so it's I, I I'm glad that he wants to watch it to understand the game more so that it's not just ah, this is what my coach tells me. Like I want him to be able to see 
what happens. Um, and I think that will help him understand what he's not just where he's supposed to be on the field, but why is he supposed to be there on the field? When you begin to see how the ball moves, like I under as much as I have joked around with you and with Thomas about not liking soccer, I've always been very into national soccer. So I understand enough about the game. Um, I mean, I feel like I don't watch any anymore because we don't qualify for anything on the men's level. Um, but, uh, no, no, you're actually speaking, speaking as somebody who's been involved with soccer in one form or another, since I was five years old, uh, your instinct there is spot on. Like it's something that I think about a lot is how beyond world cups, soccer wasn't something that was accessible to me until, well, I mean, even when I was done with college, and I started coaching high school soccer when I was 19 years old. So that was 2002. And I am, I am an old man. Um, I became, I became a better coach when European soccer, specifically English soccer became accessible on TV every weekend. Like that's that when soccer season's going on during the weekend, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I structure my weekends is watching games, you know, waking up and I'll just turn on a game and have it on as background noise. I'll eat breakfast watching it. I, I watched Liverpool, all their games. Um, I became a better uh, soccer coach and just more aware of soccer, more aware of like what to do with soccer because I was able to watch the game in much the way that I feel about baseball. I never played baseball, but I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding of the game of baseball because from the time I was seven years old, I've been watching it. So like, if that is something that Hayes really decides he loves, the fact that he's gonna be able to go and every weekend turn the games on is going to be huge for him. Um, you know, and this, this just gets me thinking about coaching in general. And, and, you know, I think this is kind of a perfect lead into to talking with Rachel. Um, coaching is one of those things that I've been coaching, as I said, high school soccer since 2002. I started coaching youth soccer when I was 18 years old, like right in college. And I'm a decent coach. I, I'm proud of my coaching body of work. Um, it served me so well when I became a runner because as a runner, I came to kind of understand process and how things take time. And sometimes things take their own time. Like you can't force things. And that's something like you were so excited for Hayes the other day and something um, that we talked about. is just like how it's so weird with kids. Like some kids instantly get it and some kids it takes for them to get it. Like I was one of those kids that took a long time to get it before I became good. It really wasn't until high school that I became a decent player. And so when I started running again, like I knew as a runner, like, Hey, this is going to take time. And because I was a runner chasing goals that actually made me a better coach because I kind of got reacquainted with what it was like to be an athlete, because it's really hard to know how to coach people when you haven't gone through it yourself. And I kind of forgot how to be an athlete once I started coaching again, because like, you know, as a high school student, you're not necessarily paying attention to all the little developmental things that you're going through. It's just like you show for practice and you do what coach tells you to do. And um, like you and I talked about how this was going to lead in perfectly to Rachel when we were texting about the other day, thinking about something Rachel said, we asked her, like, do you have a background in coaching at all? And she talked a little bit about, you know, having um, working a little bit like with clients, I think as a dietitian. But she said, you know, really beyond that, she didn't really have a background in coaching and that it was her own experience as a runner and coming back from like having kids and kind of relearning how to be a runner after each kid. You know, she knows what it's like to start from scratch and work from a bunch of people that are starting from different places. 
And, um, you know, just you talking about Hayes kind of just, it led me to think about coaching again. It's been, I think, five years now since I've coached high school. and I, I miss it tremendously. And uh, it just got me thinking about how like coaching and running have kind of been these yin yang relationships that I've had in my life and how doing one made the other better. And something that really stands out in Rachel's conversation with us is just how her own experiences running make her a better coach and make her so much more relatable to the runners that she's able to coach. And I, you know, when you, when you guys listen to that, it really comes across. We had a really good time talking to her and yes, uh, yes, we did. I think, yeah, it, it, uh, it's fun getting a, a coach's perspective. I think this is the first time we've had, we've had medical people. We've had race directors. I don't believe we've had a coach on before. We've had Thomas. We had, we had freaking McNeil. Kyle. Oh yeah, yeah Kyle. we did have Kyle last year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Kranz. Uh, and that, that was a good time. So yeah. But, but I mean, I think we're overdue for some more experts on teaching. Um, and Rachel really provided that to us. So uh, I, I think we, we need to do a better job uh, continuing to bring those people on she's very involved with the plx running club uh which nicole Guerrero david is uh the the founder of and very involved in a friend of the pod and varel wyatt also involved uh all part Mm -hmm. of the akron uh running project uh and so it was just really cool to kind of we haven't completed that circle yet we gotta get michael for the second solo yeah so and then maybe we can kind of complete that and we'll actually feel like officially made it at that point (laughs) but uh for now i want you to sit back um or run and keep moving forward whatever you're doing right now i want you to do it while you listen to this interview with rachel lane okay rachel thanks for joining us how are you tonight good good thanks for having me how are you guys we're good fantastic fantastic so you are a running coach um but before we talk about you coaching, I want to know about just your running origin. Like what, what got you into running before coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was never a runner. <laughs> I was not that person in high school who ran track or cross country or anything like that. I actually, um, played like basketball growing up and I sucked really bad. So I quit the team and joined the golf team and it was really fun. And, um, I started running more, um, in my early twenties when my now husband and I, we had moved to South Florida for a couple of years, you know, pre-kids, pre-wedding, you know, all that stuff, just kind of to have fun. And I met, the most amazing people there. And they really, honestly, they really changed my life. Um, my trainer, John down there and my still one of my best friends, Priya, um, they really encouraged me to come to the different workout classes and all that. And then the people in the classes were like, let's run a 5k. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) So we were out doing like a training run. And I think I made it like three quarters of a mile in the South Florida heat, probably turned purple, almost threw up, stopped and said, keep going. I'm, I'm out. I'm good. Um, but after that, I kind of kept, you know, rolling with it. And, um, some of the, some of the dietitians I worked with were big runners, you know, they would 
they would go out after work and run like eight miles. And I would just be astounded. Like you ran eight miles last night. Like, wow, I think I made dinner and got a shower and went to bed. That's insane, <laughs> you know? So um, all these influences down in South Florida really got me in the running game. Um, and so right before I moved home, I had start, started getting into like half marathon distances and things like that. And I signed up for my first full and my husband and I moved home. We're from Ohio. We're from here, um, from Akron. So we move home and I ran Philly and, um, with my, with my friend, Krista, my dietitian friend and had a great time with her and her husband. We ran the race and in between the time of moving home to Ohio and then, um, running Philly in November, I met the Portage Lakes running club. So, um, it's kind of been history ever since then. So I started showing up to group runs. I was super nervous. I didn't know anybody, you know, moving back from Florida, none of my friends were runners. Um, you know, my friends would work out or go to the gym or something like that, but nobody ran. So I thought moving home, like, wow, I'm going to run alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that's really where I thought it was going. And, um, it's the total opposite. Like I never really run alone anymore. <laughs> I always have a buddy and it's just been such a great, um, running community to, to join. So that's kind of what really got me into running was all my, all the people and all the inspirations I met in South Florida and really carried that home with me. What a shock. The PLX running club I impacting know. another runner in Ohio. Yeah. Never heard that one before. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then you, you've become a runner. How did you then transition into coaching? So, um, yeah, I think that that all kind of started, you know, when I, when I started running with the Portage Lakes Running Club, um, Nicole was a big inspiration and kind of instrumental in my running career. She really encouraged me like, you know, you could do that race or you could run faster, you could do that pace. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. So after I ran my second marathon, um, she had been talking about doing a 50K and we were talking about it and she's like, oh my God, you could do that. Like, look at all the marathon training. Look what you've done. You just do this or that and you could totally do it. And so it was that push, I think that took me to the next level with, you know, 50 Ks and just kind of really actually trying at races and like trying harder. So it made me a little more competitive in general. And um, that, that kind of led me to uh, Boston qualifying times and things like that. And then after I had my second daughter, I was just like, you know, I ran the Akron marathon and, and that was, that was great. I felt pretty, um, pretty rough at that race. I didn't train well. I wasn't sleeping. I was breastfeeding a six month old. It was just all the things. And, um, I thought, you know, maybe I need a coach, you know, I've gotten to a point where I feel like I've done you know, I've, I've accomplished some things and, and maybe now I need to get a coach. So I actually reached out to, um, my friend Megan and I talked to her a little bit about it. And then I was, I think it was like the middle of the night I was up breastfeeding, just scrolling on my phone. And I was like, you know, what, like, what do these coaches have that like, I, why, why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I learn this? What do they have? Have they been coaching for 20 years? Like what, what could I do? Could I be a coach? And so I started researching all the different coaching programs out there. And I just kind of rolled with one and decided like, you know what, I'm just going to coach myself and see, 
see where this takes me. So it was just kind of like this time period between, I don't know, just starting to run and getting a little more competitive, having some kids and then realizing like, hmm, what can I do now? You know, how could I be a better runner at this point in time? So that kind of led me to it. Kids weren't enough responsibility. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Did you have any previous coaching, teaching, training experience in like any domain before you started coaching? Coaching, teaching? No, you know, I've done the whole, you know, a lot of dietitians out there are called health coaches for, for licensure reasons. Sure. You know, so I was a health coach at one point in time, um, things like that. But I think as a dietitian, you're more of a, a counselor, you're, you're doing counseling. So I think that pulling together that counseling side of things and really understanding that, um, the human and the, the person itself needs to be looked at in the, in a, big picture, I think was really easy for me to translate that into run coaching, kind of just the things and the, I guess the techniques and things I've picked up as a dietitian along the way. Okay. So I want to ask you a little bit about the types of runners that you coach, but first I have to mention, um, Andrea Sanchez, Mm -hmm. one of our listeners is one of your, um, athletes mm-hmm. and a former co-worker and good friend of mine matt martin mm-hmm. is, is one of your athletes <laughs> and that dude is smoking fast um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but so i right there we have two good you know examples of the different types of runners that you coach but uh you know just kind of like go into that i mean is there a specific type that's good for you or who's who should be coached by run well, be well. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy at first. I, I really wasn't sure if I would have a niche, you know, if I would have, uh, beginner runners, people who are just getting started, maybe walk to run, or maybe I would coach, um, runners who have had experiences like mine. I really didn't know. And it kind of evolved, um, into really, I have runners all over the spectrum from people who maybe have run in the past and they're, they're wanting to get back into it and they're starting at ground zero, they're walk running. Um, and then people who may or may not be trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. So it's, it's kind of crazy how it's come full circle. I, I can't even, I'm just, I'm still blown away by it, but yeah, there's no, there's not necessarily like the, the perfect fit for me. I think that I get a lot of runners who aren't sure if they need a coach. Um, but after talking to them, I think they find that, that it is a good fit. They, they gain some accountability and they gain that support and that running community that maybe they were missing, um, just kind of heading out and running on their own. What, um, what sort of tools then do you have in your coaching toolbox that you think makes you effective for coaching such a wide range of runners? Because somebody who's trying to qualify for say the Olympic trials obviously is very different in terms of their internal motivation and what they need versus somebody who, like you said, might be kind of more like walk to run and is just starting out and, and hasn't run really a lot of races before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a couple things like, Speaking from personal experience, I think that it's, um, it's, it's easy for me to see runners who, you know, I, I remember what it's like getting started and I remember what it's like starting over after having children, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, you go through those struggles and you have your ups and downs, right? Um, and then I think, again, being a dietitian for 
almost 11 years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, I think I'm used to looking at the, the individualized side of things. You know, you can't just put out one plan, one, one blanket statement for all these runners. You know, you look at the individual and where they're at specifically today and try to figure out how to, how to meet them from today to their goal down the road. So I think that that, um, that's kind of in my toolkit. I think the certification that I have is really helpful. Um, yeah, I don't have any magic tricks or things I pull out of a hat <laughs> for it, but yeah, I think it's just past experience and just taking the person, I mean, the runners just totally individually, um, nobody's grouped together. One thing you just said that was interesting that is leads us into kind of what I'm curious about. You, you mentioned starting over, uh, you know, after having kids. Um, I'm going to ask you one question related specifically to that. And then I want to follow up with something else. But um, did you notice like each time, because you, you said you have two daughters, two and four. Um, mm -hmm. are, did you feel like not only were you starting over, but you were like having gone through that, you know, gone through nine months of carrying a child, labor, breastfeeding, were you just a completely different person each time you started? Or was it you were able to kind of be in the same, kind of pick up the same way you were, you know, to mm -hmm. get back? Or was it just like a totally different Rachel after each kid? <clears throat> Good question. I think it was totally different because I, I ran, I was fortunate enough to run totally through pregnancies, both of them, all the way up to the day of, and I think two <laughs> days before, I was that person. And people Jeez. probably <laughs> wanted to call the my doctor or something. But uh, anyway, but I feel like, yeah, I mean, it was totally different coming back because before I had kids, I was that person who ran all the miles like, oh, you guys are running 20 this weekend. Oh, I was just going to do 10, but maybe I'll just do 20. It was stupid. Like, don't I zero out of 10 recommend. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> you would, would you yell at one of your athletes if they did that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would be nice. I, I don't really yell, but I would be like, okay, well, next week is probably going to be a big cutback week then <laughs> we've been doing too much. So, um, yeah, I feel like I became, uh, just smart when I was running after kids, you know, you, your priorities change, right. You have a different, um, focus on, you know, where are you spending your time and how are you spending it? And that's what they, I air quote, they all said to me after you have kids, it's like, oh, you'll get faster after you have kids. Well, yeah, because you always have to be home at a certain time. You don't have time to like mess around and go to brunch all the time. <laughs> Although I did do that on Saturday. That was fun. But um, yeah, I think I just became a more efficient and effective runner so it was kind of a silver lining because, you know, I missed, I felt like I was missing, oh, I can't go and run all the miles and do all that. But that was not a smart move anyway. And that's not going to give me longevity and honestly, probably not produce results. So I feel like I became a more effective runner after kids. So you're like kind of, it, it wasn't providing you with effective results because you were kind of overdoing it to your body when you were running all the miles. This last year, we have had really no races, smaller events here and there. So a lot of people not training. Adam and myself, it's been a yo-yo and up and down. And, yeah. um, you know, I, so a lot of people are kind of starting from scratch, you know, that we've talked to, um, 
I mean, I know there are people who have kept going full board. I don't, more power to you, but do you notice more people starting kind of at scratch? And do you think there's kind of a benefit to that or what might be some of the pitfalls to that as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely notice a lot more starting from scratch. You know, the initial call or time I'm meeting up with an athlete, I'm like, all right, so when's the last time you ran and how far was it? And they're like, let me check my Strava. And then they're like, uh, I think it was July of last year. I ran like three miles on a Saturday and I'm like, all right, it is what it is. You know, that's okay. Just kind of checking to see where we're going to start you out at. I totally think there's benefit of, you know, of taking that time off and kind of taking a break. You know, we, we oftentimes just keep going and pushing through when our bodies like really can't handle a constant training cycle. So it's not such a bad thing to take a step back and just kind of run sporadically, maybe do something else, maybe sleep a little bit more. (laughs) And then when you're really ready and motivated to start again, like, yeah, depending on where you left off and your running history, you know, some of the pitfalls could be, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're just more down on yourself than anything. Like, oh man, I wish I would have kept running and I might feel bad about my paces or something like that, but give it a couple of weeks getting back out there. You're going to feel a lot better after you're running than not running. Um, but I think that overall, I think that it's a good thing to take a break uh, sometimes. And sometimes the forced, it's almost like a force break that you wouldn't have gotten before you might've pushed through and who knows, maybe got an injury or maybe been burned out anyway, and then taking a break after that. Yeah. And it's not like, I think a lot of people, I'm sorry, Adam. Um, No, go ahead. And it's not that, yeah. I mean, people like myself and Adam didn't necessarily like just not run since July, which is fine if you didn't run since July. Um, But just not that constant, like five, six days a week, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile weeks, 18 mile long runs, like to kind of cut that out for a while. I mean, it does feel good to not ache when I stand up out of a chair sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, given that you do have a lot of people that are either they're starting from scratch or they're starting with a lot of inconsistent training over the last year, how do you go about setting goals you know, mm-hmm. for runners who probably a couple of years back have really solid training and solid race results that they're probably attached to, but aren't necessarily ready to go and try to tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of trying to figure out, you know, when I first meet up with the runner, usually it's on the phone or zoom, you know, we're figuring out, okay, where are you at right now? And what are your goals and checking in, like, how realistic is that? You know, are, is it April 20th today and you're wanting to run um the cleveland virtual in may at a pace that you did you know uh you know however however many months ago you know how realistic is your goal so we're looking at that and kind of giving them you know some honest truth up front like yeah i think you can do that or you know what it might take a few training cycles to get you there but we can probably do that you know um we kind of set realistic goals along the way, talk about different races, um, really take into account what the runner wants to do, because that's, what's going to motivate them. I don't, I definitely don't create any goals for these runners. I think they're very realistic about it. And they know that if they've taken some time off, they know it's going to take time to rebuild and we have to just see how it goes. And it might take a few training cycles to get back to where they want to be. And then some. So is it hard when you're, so you have a new runner, um, 
like uh, trying to think of how to explain this. So like a new runner, like I, my first marathon was like 353, I think. And then I ran a 332 for my second one a few months. Nice. Yeah. So you, and then I, you know, so-and-so and then now it's 317 and I don't care to get any faster anymore. I just like to run. So, uh, but when you see runners go from like that 353 to 332, that big jump from first to second, do they get really dejected that third training cycle? Because you kind of, that success is not as steep and kind of Mm -hmm. how do you help them work through that? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it depends. You know, it's like the law of diminishing returns, right? Like you look Kafaj, you can't get much faster than that sub two now. So it's when you get um, closer to kind of, I want to say your peak, but I don't want to say like your 317 is where, where it stops, but you cut off so much time. Right. So now we're at a point with you having been at the 317, let's say you had been running through COVID in your training well, you might not see that 20 minute jump at this next race because you are, you have gotten so much faster. So we talk a lot about the, you know, the law of diminishing returns. You can only, um, have those big, huge jumps, um, like that with those 20 minute or hour differences within your runs for so long until you're hitting those, those faster paces. And it's really, then it's what you want to do. Like you said, you don't really want to get faster than that 317 it's really then what motivates you to go beyond that. To be fair, I would love to run faster. I just don't <laughs> care. Cause it like, uh, so I was 32, I think when Boston changed their, uh, the, they ch- adjusted the times and I had my sights set on Columbus <laughs> of was that two years ago, I had my sights set on Columbus and I was like, yeah. that's going to be the year that I can age up but still be like 33 based on when my birthday is and when the Boston marathon would have been, that's what I had my sights on. I was like, I can get to, you know, a three hour marathon because that's what I needed with the um, buffer that I was going to require. And then they changed the time. And I was like, it's just not going to happen. And I'm just fine with that. Like, I mean, it could happen, but I just personally don't want to put the work in for that. That's just, that would be, I I mean, I got a kid too. I try to do this once a week. Like, I just don't care to put that kind of work in. Um, It's a lot. The the men's times are so fast. I mean, I got to run a 305. Adam and I have to run a 305 and that isn't still that's still if 304.59 won't get you in you're not even close you might as well not even register i mean shoot adam registered today with what a two and a half minute buffer not a chance uh 107 but yeah like i did it because it's like i have a qualifying time i'm not gonna not sign up but i know exactly how it's gonna go and that's okay it's an honor to have a time but it is what it is i know i'm with you you. they changed the call they changed those qualifying times for me too. So basically my qualifying time has been the same. If I were a runner at age 18, all the way till now I'm 40, I would need a 335. So half yeah. of my life basically yeah. for Boston, I need the exact same time. So that makes a lot of sense. But. I'm sure the same thing's going to happen again when I'm 38 and I Columbus for that 40 uh, plus age group. And they're going to be like, Oh, by the way, um, this group's back down to 305 again. And I'm just going to be like, Oh, I think I got, 
I think I got like two years where it had jumped up to 310. And the lat the first year that I got a decent qualifying time for that, I missed by two seconds. And then the next year they're like, too many people got in, so we're lowering it by five sec or five minutes. And so it's like I think I had two years where I had an actual qualifying time that I thought I could really beat with enough time to get in and it's been out now. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. What how many times have you run Boston? You mentioned you you did run a a Boston qualifying time. Yeah, only once. That was in 2018. So ah, what a fun year that was. That the Des year. Yeah, that was the Des year. That was the Des year. That was the year of the nor'easter. Is what I was told all weekend by everyone who lived in Boston. They're like, "Oh, honey, you're running in a you're running in the nor'easter," and I like had to Google that and. It was awful. I wore a poncho for 22 miles. I regretted taking it off, but I was like, I really, you know, the finish line pick, which, you know, four miles to spare, I really could have waited, but I really wanted my (laughs) bib to show at the finish line. And I thought, you know, this is it. I'm at mile 22 now. I can take this off. And it was awful. (laughs) You got the Sitgo sign and everything too, though. I mean, you can't have, yeah, you can't have a poncho on for that. Yeah. it's really funny because uh, the same friend whose dog has interrupted our show multiple times, she and I went to the same high school, you know, here in Ohio, but she now lives in the Boston area. And she ran that race that year. And she's like, oh, no, that was great. Like, that was perfect marathon weather. She's like, the year before when it was really warm was awful. Like, I didn't like that. <laughs> what? It was like raining sideways coming in with all the wind. She's like, no, it was perfect. I loved it. Wasn't it like a headwind the whole way too? Yes. Yeah. It was like 30 mile per hour winds, <sighs> maybe more at one point. And then I think like 2,400 people dropped out with hypothermia that year. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. So no, Eric, since you loved it. So Desi just set a 50K world record. Uh, the Boston Marathon was supposed to be yesterday, Monday. So we're talking about the Boston Marathon now. You ran the year Desi won. So let me ask you, did you find out during the race in any way that Desi had won? Yeah, I remember people were saying oh, it yeah. and yelling it. Um, and I was like, you know, just all emotional running Boston anyway. I felt like probably a little like your friend, right? Like that was my first Boston. I really didn't care. I mean, the, yeah, the weather sucked, but I was like, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. running this. This is awesome. This is the best experience of my life all the while. It's like just this horrible storm raining sideways, so cold. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember hearing people yelling and the, the crowd support was pretty minimal that year as to what I've heard it's like because the weather was so bad so but there were people out there still and there are people yelling that she won so I think I feel like I got emotional and maybe like almost cried when I heard that because it was just so cool it's been so long yeah um, since that happened so you are part of the Akron running project Mm-hmm. And we've had Varel on, and we've had Nicole on, and they've talked about it recently. So, uh, one, just how did you get involved with that? And then, two, what specifically do you do for the project? Yeah, so that came about last year. Obviously, COVID hit, and we were like, we have to do something. I mean, this is like we're we're runners; we can't not run. Like, we have to do something for this community, for ourselves, our group. You know, we wanted to, we just wanted to keep running. So we kind of put our heads together, you know, Nicole, of course, you know, headed it up a bit with, you know, Mike, Michael at second soul and Varel and, and myself, I had just kind of started my run coaching and 
I was like, well, yeah, sure. I definitely want to be part of that. I mean, it's just like all of these awesome people are coming together to do this project. Like, yeah, definitely count me in whatever it is. (laughs) So uh, it kind of evolved. I felt like it was a lot of, um, just trying to find ways to stay connected, you know, of course, during COVID, um, trying to make running still fun and give people something to look forward to and also be kind of somebody that runners could turn to for running questions, you know, as a run coach in the community now. I did get a lot of runners who felt like, you know, they could reach out and ask like, hey, I'm I'm planning on doing this or that virtual race, or, you know what, maybe I do want to coach with you, even though my race is virtual, I want to get better. I don't want to, you know, sit back this year. I'm ready to run. Maybe they took the previous year off. Um, so I felt like it was just a lot of, um, education and kind of just connecting with, with runners through the project, just however I could. So I put together some videos and some posts and things and just try to, try to just be available. And it worked. I mean, I, I talked to all kinds of runners now that things are starting to open back up here and there. I'll see people out and they're like, Oh, Hey, you're, you know, you're coach Rachel. I'm like, Oh yeah, that is me. Hey, I talked to you on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again? <laughs> so yeah, it's been pretty cool to be part of that. It's fun when that stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't happened to us. It's just cool when we hear about it. <laughs> Um, to be fair we've really gotten our stride on like while the whole world was shut down so i suspect that we might see that happen more and more as (laughs) and you and i are such solo runners so it's like we we really are and you live in like broadview heights i live in canton yeah (laughs) nobody we don't we don't live in a cool we don't live in cool areas i don't even have sidewalks i just have to run on potholed roads yeah, we have one sidewalk in Portage Lakes, I'm pretty sure, on Portage Lakes Drive. That's it. <laughs> so I'm with you on that. But you at least have like some cool parts and stuff close by yeah, that you do. can get to. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, I we do. drive to all mine. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's a couple minute drive. I mean, we could run to them. We have before. I, again, probably a two out of 10 recommend that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a, the, the Portage Lake State Park and the, the tow paths that are close by. It, it is yeah. convenient in that sense. All right. Well, I just, I want to ask one time, um, is there any dirt you have on Matt Martin that you can give me? <laughs> um, I've known that guy for years. A funny story. He ran the Akron marathon for his first full and I, you know, I told you my PR is 317 and change and I was tracking him. I was sick that year. I want, I wasn't going to run, but I wanted to go out and cheer, but I couldn't cause I had some, uh, I think I had, dang it. I did it again with my camera. Um, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't freeze and go crazy. Um, but, uh, I was, so I'm tracking him and, uh, I so badly wanted him to beat my PR so badly i mean that's the funny thing about runners we're like competitive and we want to beat one another if we're side by side but if you're watching someone chase down your pr you want them to take it um he he just missed it i thought for sure he was going to take it because it was when uh, it came down the big hill on market into canal park and uh i I thought he was going to have it he missed about like a minute but uh yeah i now he's like freaking stupid crazy fast although he had a car accident and his heels all messed up. 
Mm-hmm. Is he back to running yet? I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks. Not yet. Um, just really glad he's all right. Yeah. First, you know, that's, that was horrifying. I'm sure he sent you a picture of it. Yes, but, he did. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was kicking back up for um, Hall of Fame. So it's real bummer that he had to take a step back, but um, hopefully in a couple weeks here, you know, he got it checked out and everything. So it sounds like it just needs some more time to heal, but yeah, he is, he is on fire, man. He is fast. He's one of the, one of the Boston boys, I call him that I coach uh, a couple of guys that are um, pretty quick. So, and uh, I'll tell you what, his wife, man, I don't know if you know her, but she is fast. Um, So I joke (laughs) with them, you know, like, wow, your boys are going to be, if they run, man, they're going to be really fast. That's, it's pretty cool to see that they really, they're like a a team and a, a pretty cool family. So I wish, I wish my wife ran. Oh, well, she hands on medals and is awesome. So that was, she, I mean, she's great. We volunteer at hall of fame every year. Well, we do our own thing. We won't be, we'll be out, but we won't be handing out fruit this year. Cause that's not in anybody's best interest during a pandemic. Um, but we'll, we'll be out cheering and she's always down for that. So I'll take that. Well, Rachel, we, we got to wind this up. Uh, we have absolutely enjoyed this. Yes. Um, you can find Rachel Lehman uh, on Instagram at runwellbewell. Uh, she coaches many people, listeners of the podcast too. So we definitely yeah. think people should go check you out. Um, she also responds very quickly to messages on Instagram. So if you have any running questions that we can't answer for you, take them to Rachel. She'll answer them in no time. Yeah. Thanks. I'm happy to help. Thanks so much. Absolutely. So Adam, I will see you next week. Rachel will be in touch. I'm sure. We'll get together for a group run or something at some point. Your group is large enough. We need to go go, go pay a visit to you. But um, Adam, next week we'll have some fun. And uh, to everybody else, stay safe, stay clean, stay home, and enjoy your miles, everybody.